You describe her as a no knock. She's in her own home. You're being dishonest. Michael Brown as a thug. But you're being dishonest. You Bri- Alton Sterling as a thug. Hey, as you a reverend. Jason Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, a brother who was with his young children, taking one of them to a birthday and party. And he was water for uh, in his car. He was water for thug. the abuse of a woman. Welcome to the Fallen State. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Don't forget to click the Patreon link in the description to support our work. I have with me Reverend Dr. J. Augustine. He is the senior pastor of St. Joseph AME Church in Durham, North Carolina. Dr. Augustine, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you, and thank you for having me. Yes, sir. So am I? do you want to be called Reverend Augustine or a doctor? Uh, uh, either is fine. Whatever okay. you feel more comfortable with is fine with me. All right. How long have you been a, a reverend? Um, let's see now. I was ordained in Christian ministry back in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I serve in itinerant ministry and Methodism as part of the tradition there, where we have what we affectionately call traveling preachers. So I have been assigned to St. Joseph Church in Durham, North Carolina for just over a year now. I was assigned in May of 2019. Did you go to school to become a pastor or reverend? Uh, I did in so many words, yes. So as part of my denomination's requirements for ordination, uh, one is required to have earned a Master of Divinity degree. So I did uh, earn a Master of Divinity degree from United Theological Seminary and then had further study after so few years uh, in pastoral service and earned a Doctor of Ministry degree from Duke University. Amazing. And why is that a requirement to be a, a, a reverend? Um, The denomination looked along with others in mainline traditions, and we wanted to put an emphasis on pastors having the academic credentials and the requisite experience, the requisite academic experience to help grow churches, to help evangelize, uh, to help find commonality with others and understanding really the fundamental basis of theology and of Christianity in our our case. And so were you called by God or the church decided that they wanted you to become a minister? Yeah, no, I was absolutely called by God. I was I was in another communion altogether. I've always been very religious, uh, but I was a lawyer long before I accepted the calling to ministry. And uh, uh, you can you can trust and believe ministry was the last thing that was on my mind for several years of my life. So uh, it was absolutely a very personal call that I received from God to enter ordained ministry. And how do you know that you were called? What happened? Uh, it was a very relevatory experience. God spoke to me in the most intimate way. Um, I believe God speaks to all of his children, or all of God's children in ways that they can understand, in ways that they can uh, relate to. Uh, and I went through a very, very tough time, a very rough time. Uh, God spoke to me in the most humble state and uh, and brought amazing comfort to me. And uh, And the revelation I experienced was for me to attempt and bring comfort to others. Uh, so that led me to a path to pursue ordination, and it has been a fundamental part of my ministry since that time. I, I believe in uh, a liberation theology where individuals can free themselves of shackles and circumstances, be them physical, emotional, or mental, regardless of their state. So I have attempted to bring the same sort of relief I felt from God to others through preaching, teaching, and obviously in pastoral service. Right on. How old were you when God called you? 
Oh my goodness gracious. Math has never been my strong suit. So I am, um, uh, I was, I was, I'm 48 now. Um, we are talking probably mid thirties, I suppose. That sounds about right. Maybe early thirties when I was called. Oh, okay. And so you are a lawyer too. You went to school, you became a lawyer and you're the head of the NAACP chapter there in North Carolina. Am I right about that? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a life member of the NAACP, uh, but I'm, I'm not the head of the, uh, of the state conference here in North Carolina. No, I'm not. Um, I, I am. I, and I guess I was I was going to say I was a lawyer, but they hadn't kicked me out of the Bar Association yet. Right. So <laughs> so I still am. Um, I'm a member of the Louisiana Bar and I'm a very proud graduate of Tulane University Law School in Louisiana. Oh, amazing, man. So how have you been dealing with the Chinese virus? Um, I prefer to call it COVID-19. Um, it has uh, it has certainly stretched me and stretched the parishioners, those that I am blessed to serve. Um, I have um, I found myself very resolute in my prayer life, very resolute in my studying, uh, in my my elaborating on scriptures and bringing them to life for others so they can find hope. Um, I have found comfort in the Old Testament narratives and looking at the Babylonian exile and looking at all the grief and difficulty the children of Israel went through at that time. And I have related much of that to what we are going through at this time with a firm resolve that God will make a way in God's own time. It has most certainly been difficult. I have lost friends. I have friends that have lost spouses and parents uh, as a result of COVID-19. So uh, it has not been an easy time, but, uh, but from a, from a fundamental and a theological position, I believe this too shall pass because the God we serve is able. Do you think it's good that they have kept the uh, churches closed for so long? I think across the board, you have to take prophylactic measures, not just with churches, but obviously with any group where you have large assemblies, because so many people are asymptomatic uh, and and breathing, being in close proximity with others, uh, especially in large crowds. It is it's a recipe for disaster. Um, I think churches are a little bit different than some other places. uh, And I think churches can be super spreaders of the virus if we are not careful. And here is what I mean by that. It is different. uh, uh, It's a different experience in coming within a six foot proximity of someone in a shopping center or in a restaurant uh, than it is in a worship experience where there is extemporaneous movement. There's extemporaneous speaking. There's exchanging of droplets um, uh, when they're singing, dancing, praise, and so forth. Uh, those are each and every one of those is a is an occasion whereby the virus can be spread almost indiscriminately. So um, uh, churches are a little different, I think, at least from other uh, uh, from other avenues of social exchange. Um, you said that you know a lot. Of, you have friends, and you know people who've died from the Chinese virus. They are now, and it's been reported over and over again that. Hospitals are saying that everybody and their mama dying from the Chinese virus because they get money every time they uh, diagnose a person as dying with that. Uh, nobody dying from cancer, bone diseases, or anything at this point. Do you believe them when they say those people died with Chinese virus rather than other causes? So, again, I, I would prefer to call it COVID-19, but I respect your interpretation. Um, those people that I know, I grew up in New Orleans. Uh, if you will recall when the, uh, when the virus initially, uh, uh, manifest in very large, uh, uh, among large groups of folks, 
New Orleans was one of the cities that was most adversely hit. Um, uh, because I am serving in Durham, North Carolina now, but because I'm from New Orleans, many of the people I grew up with, many of the people I'm still in social contact with, uh, I believe contracted the virus as a result of the Mardi Gras holiday and the, and the many people who came into the city during that time period. Um, I personally have friends uh, who lost their parents and who lost spouses as a result of COVID-19, not cancer, uh, not a stroke, nothing else but COVID-19. 2020 has been a rough year, and I can assure you, as we are now having passed uh, 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 21 to 200, uh, with the, the, I forget the last benchmark that we passed in the deaths, and I saw the news this morning, but I can assure you, I lost my mother earlier this year as a result of a second stroke. I have a friend who lost his mother as a result of cancer. COVID-19 is real, and I have no reason to believe that those numbers are falsely reported and if anyone is saying that there is more of a profit margin because they're reporting deaths from one cause or another, I would check the source on that. Knowing that the government is trying to control us this political season, and they are trying to keep fear in the people in order to win this messy election, why would you trust them about the Chinese? Uh, well, I guess it depends on. I guess it depends on your interpretation of who is attempting to instill the fear. <laughs> I believe there has been, uh, um, there have been rather many attempts to instill fear uh, from the current occupant of the White House for the very reasons that you reference. An attempt to um, uh, stay lockstep, not make change. Uh, people are afraid of this, that, and the other. So you want to stay right where you are rather than make change. But it's primarily happening in the Democrat-controlled states where they're controlling the people with this fear of Chinese virus rather than the Republican-controlled states. So we have to be I, I more the Democrats a, than it is the Republicans, right? I, I would, I would, I don't know that there is any such. Well, first of all, let's back up. The coronavirus or COVID nineteen is indiscriminate based on partisanship. Right. But it is ten, indiscriminate based the, on ethnicity. It's still the Democrats that tend to be controlling the people more so than the Republican states. Control I, states. I would. I I don't know what you mean by Democratic state or Republican Control state. states. I'm, I'm not sure I would categorize any state as controlled by any party. Uh, what I do recognize is that well, California, every state, for example, where I live, is completely controlled by Democrats. And they will not release the people because they want to take control of the White House again. And so they have the people in fear. And there are other states around the country where controlled by Democrats and they are keeping the people in captivity. I don't know that I would agree with that assessment. Um, the numbers are what they are, and the virus is is very much akin, in my mind's eye, to, to mathematics. It's empirical. It is what it is. Uh, once you test for it and once you have a positive result there, uh, the virus has got to be treated, and the virus spreads indiscriminately, regardless of partisanship, regardless of political party, regardless of ethnicity. It is absolutely an indiscriminate killer. It has been more adversely or it has more adversely affected minority communities than it has uh, white communities for a litany of other reasons, but it is indiscriminate. So I don't know that I would personally categorize uh, uh, any state as being controlled by Republicans or being controlled by Democrats and any fear pandering, certainly on the part of Democrats. Why do you prefer to call it coronavirus rather than Chinese virus since it's originated from China? And I'm sure there are things that have originated from the United States, and I would not reciprocally want someone to identify something as 
something so negative as being from the United States. It is a virus that is airborne. And because of commerce being the way it is, because of uh, uh, um, Americans availing themselves in the stream of commerce and travel to China and, and making goods uh, uh, that are shipped to China and receiving goods from China, we are in frequent communication with China, both physical as well as uh, uh, technological. So with commerce being what it is and people traveling back and forth, it doesn't make a difference whether the virus originated in America or whether the virus originated in China. It is indiscriminately affecting people. So I would prefer to call it what scientists refer to it as COVID-19, which is a subspecies of the coronavirus, which has been around for a very, very long time. But since we all know it has been confirmed that it did originate from China, there's nothing wrong with calling it the China virus, right? The Chinese I, virus, I, right? I don't see a reason to use an ethnic reference when we can use a scientific reference. It is well, a subspecies. Well, asking, is there anything wrong with calling it a Chinese virus as it originated from there? If that's what you choose to call it, you should call it but that. But there's nothing wrong I, I with it, right? I'm just trying to figure out, is anything wrong with that? It's not my place to say uh, one way or the other that it's right or wrong. What I can share with you is that COVID-19 is a subspecies. I'm using that term very generically. It is a subspecies of the coronavirus, which has been around as a mutation from bats for a very, very, very long time. Co uh, the coronavirus is nothing new. COVID-19, this particular strand of, of the coronavirus is new, is something that manifested in the in the late part of 2019 and obviously came to the United States in the spring or the early part of 2020. How do you feel? So knowing I, that I choose. I, I, and, and let me just say, if you don't mind, I choose rather than uh, a, rather than using a term of alienation or an ethnic slur uh, or term. I shouldn't say a slur, a term that will that can be divisive based on ethnicity. Uh, it is a it is a scientific term. COVID-19 to specifically identify a strand of the coronavirus that is adversely affecting the world right now as a global pandemic. How do you feel knowing that this was this virus, Chinese virus, created in a lab? So I am sure that there have been scientific experiments that have gone awry in any number of ways. Um, if you don't try You'll never if you don't if the mistakes result from efforts in trying. If you if you don't try, you'll never make a mistake and you'll never move the needle forward in making progress. So right. regardless of where it originated, be it mutating from a bat or whether it was created in a lab, regardless of its point of origin, uh, it is unfortunate that so many people have suffered uh, 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 fatalities. It's so unfortunate the way the virus has been mismanaged from the top levels of government in Washington. It's so unfortunate the adverse effects it's had and it's exposed many of the economic disparities that are that are often associated with race in the United States. So there are there are a litany of things that are unfortunate about the virus. What do you think the punishment should be for the government of China for not being honest about this in the beginning that they had created this thing in the lab? and that somehow or another got out, and they should have been honest from day one with the world about that, what should be their punishment for being de deceptive in this Chinese virus situation? I would respectfully question the source. Uh, uh, as I understand, there was no clandestine attempt to hide anything. Uh, as I understand, folks were very forthright 
and we uh, eliminated a pandemic response office here in the United States at the highest levels of government. Uh, we decided to say it's going to go away as soon as the weather gets warm. And we decided to turn our heads and act like it didn't exist while it continued to mutate, continue to manifest and continue I know, but to what I'm asking you, people. what should be the punishment for China deception? Because had they been honest from day one, it would not have gotten out of control. And now that we know it was created in a lab by China, they were not honest about it. How should we punish them for that? I guess I have a different perception. My perception is not that there was any bit of dishonesty. My perception is that there was a, a, a very much forthrightness and that on our part, there was a desire to turn our heads and to, and to say that this will magically go away as soon as it gets warm and, uh, and to dismantle an office for pandemic response that was in under the previous administration, but dismantled under the current administration. But it's so all you're, like you you're, trust. But you're, you're asking me about a punishment and, and I don't see, I, 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 I don't agree with the logic that the question is based upon. It sounds like, and I may be misreading it, you trust a communist socialist society like China over America. Are you saying you trust China before you trust the American government? I would say I trust individuals regardless of ethnicity or regardless of governmental affiliation. And I want to be very clear, I have every reason based on what I have seen as an American citizen as a former uh, soldier and infantry officer who served this country honorably, um, I have every reason to distrust the current occupant of the White House. Do you trust the government, the, uh, uh, the government of China, the Chinese I, I government? I do you trust them? I don't know enough to make that sort of assessment. I, I'm sure there are distrustful people, just like there are obviously some distrustful people in this government. I'm certain there are distrustful people in that government. There are distrustful people in every government. But I'm sure there are enough distrustful people around. But I'm sure you don't trust China government at all. They're enslaving people over there. They're doing some horrible things to the folks. And they're coming to society, so they control the media and everything. So you don't trust them at all, right? Am I right about that? I, I, don't, I don't make blanket assertions. I, I, have, I have certain core values and fundamentals as an American, and I'm very proud of those values. Um, I believe in liberty. I believe in freedom. I but believe they don't in have choice. that in China. I, I obviously believe in freedom of religion. Um, uh, so I, I am loyal to America because I love America. But part of loving America and part of recognizing that free speech means we can uh, uh, disagree without being disagreeable. And I profoundly disagree with many of the things that have come out of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue over the course of the last four years. And do you that profoundly makes me, disagree that with makes China me, but, as well? But, but hear me out. Hear me out. That, that has nothing to do with me distrusting or trusting China. That has everything to do with the fact that I consider myself to be an astute American who disagrees profoundly with some of the things that are going on in Washington right now. How about China? Do you trust China at all? Um, I, I don't know that I'm that I'm ready to make that sort of assessment. I'm a, I'm I have I have reason to question 
any and everybody right now because there is so much unknown. There are so many uh, fingers being pointed right now. And, and I have, I, I, I'm an American citizen. I want to believe in my government, but the human in me says question before you believe. But in I'm asking about like the Communist Socialist Society of China. They cannot be trusted because they control everything. So you have no trust in them at all, right? I understand that, what that you said a, about the United States government, but I'm asking you about China government. Do you trust China government at all? That is a form of governance that I am not subject to. I am a citizen of the United States, and I'm proud to be a citizen of the United States. Um, so how China operates internally is of no consequence of my own. But you don't um, trust them in what I'm asking. You're not answering that. Well, I don't know. Trust is trust is sort of a uh, is a is a passionate word. Trust is a very loaded term. Uh, we have we have quote unquote trusted enough to engage in intellectual commerce exchange programs with students from China here in the United States. I'm a very proud graduate of Duke University. We have a campus there, um, uh, uh, and there's back and forth exchange programs with students there. So we have, quote unquote, trusted enough to engage in intellectual commerce. We obviously but have trusted we enough to engage that because they in electronic commerce. But, but my point being, trust is a very loaded term. Okay. Uh, do, I, do I agree with everything that goes on in their government? Probably not. Do I agree with everything that goes on in my government? Absolutely not. Do so you absolutely trust is a very loaded not term. believe in everything that goes on in China's government? Do, and I'm sorry, ask your question do again. Do you absolutely disagree with things of the China government as well, Chinese government? I, I don't. I don't know enough about everything that goes on there. You, do what you I know they enslave people over there? I can there? make a blanket assertion. I can make a blanket assertion that there are many things I agree with that go on in America, and there are many things that I profoundly disagree with that go on in America. I know I asked you about China, but you keep bringing up America. Let me ask you, you are a reverend. You've been called by God. You have uh, degrees in ministry. Do you still sin as a son of God? Do you sin? I have a fundamental belief as a Christian in particular, and I'm distinguishing my role in Christian ministry from those who are called to ministry in, in other communions and, and interfaith uh, uh, ministries and other ministries, if you will. Uh, as a Christian, I have a fundamental belief that every single person who has walked this earth, with the exception of one, has sinned and will continue to sin and is only saved by the grace of God. So and I'm you, sure you can guess the one person I would omit from the category of sinner. Are you a son of God? Yes, absolutely. And do you sin? We all sin. How about you? Yes. So as a son of God, you still sin. So those who are not sons of God, do they sin? All human beings are subject to sin as a part of my theological framework. So all as a son beings. of God, what's the purpose of becoming son of God if you still got to sin? Because all Thank who God sin serves Satan. As, as part of my fundamental theology and as part of my fundamental thinking as a Christian, I am so incredibly thankful for uh, 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 Jesus, as in God manifesting God's self in, in, in human form uh, uh, and, the, and the punishment that Jesus suffered on Calvary's cross. Because as a result of that punishment that he suffered, um, the, the debt for me has been paid. So human beings are subject to sin and will continue to sin 
but thank God for grace. Does and I the use Bible grace say as an acronym. Let me, God, let me, you would let me finish this because I think it I think it speaks very profoundly to the question you raised. I think and I preach about grace as an acronym, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. So I'm so grateful that at Christ's expense, when he was hung on Calvary's cross, I'm so grateful for uh, 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 the bloodshed there. Because of him in my sinful nature, in all human beings' sinful nature, if we believe, thank goodness, we have the gift of everlasting life. So now that you've been born again of God, you still have a saint's nature? Now that I have been born again, do I still have a sinful nature? Do you have Satan's nature? Because as a non, as a person who was not born of God, you had the nature of Satan, which is of sin. And that's why Christ came, so that you may overcome that. So as a son of God, you still have Satan's nature? Are you saying that? I would not phrase the premise that way at all. I, I would, you, you're approaching a question from a from a very different framework that I would my, my thinking is not in that ballpark. My thinking is that all human beings are subject to sin. There is a there is a doctrine called original sin or some call it ancestral sin, which speaks to all human beings being uh, uh, descendants, if you will, of Adam or Adam, Adame, as in the first man, the first human to walk earth who engaged in a sinful act. And because of that sinful act, all human beings subsequently born will, not may, not might, not if, will engage in sin. And the, 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 the sin caused a chasm or a separation from God's grace and God's perfect goodness. So Jesus came to close that. So as a result, human beings will still sin. It's inevitable. We all will make mistakes. We all will fall from grace. But thank goodness for Jesus's perfect love and Jesus's sacrifice. So let me just say, we got to kind of cut it short. Let me, instead of a preacher sermon. Uh, so you are Man, saying I, I, you, you got me. You got my juices flowing with a deep question. You got my juices flowing with a deep question. I understand that too. So Reverend Augustine, you're saying yes, Jesse. As a born again son of God, I still have Satan's nature. That would you That's saying? not at all what I'm saying. Do you have Satan's sinful a, nature? I'm saying that as a called out Christian, I am so thankful. To I know Jesus you said all that, but what I'm asking, just for the record, are you saying that as a born again Christian, you do have Satan's sinful nature or you don't have it? I'm saying all human beings. No, we talk about you. Included, do you still have Satan's sinful nature as a son of God? I, I never profess to have Satan's nature in the first place. I am I am made in the image of God. So I, there's nothing about me that is Satan but you or used satanic to, you in nature in the first place. You as a son of Satan. You as a sinner, right? All human beings no, inevitably you. will sin. And so as a son of God, you still have Satan's nature, and that's why you sin? So that's not again, that's not at all my my fundamental thinking. I wanted to unpack for you and kind of kind of compress all those years of school that you talked about. I was trying to compress that into 30 seconds or maybe a minute. I wasn't that good at it. It's so deep. It's so rich. So you got to forgive me for that. But I would I would I would fundamentally disagree with the premise that your question is based upon. So if you still sin as a son of God, what's the difference between someone who believe in God and someone who does not believe in God? Let me ask you this. Do you sin? No. You don't sin? No. Wow. Because so, once you are born again of God, you cannot sin. 
And if anyone says that he has been born again of God and he still sin, he is a liar. The truth is not in him. For that reason, Christ came that you may not sin. You overcome sin because sin is of the nature of Satan. But so I want to ask you, what's the difference I between... Remember, I can firmly remember many of commercials with Billy Graham professing his sinful nature as a human and thanking God for Jesus. I can fun, remember many of the other right-wing evangelicals who made the same profession and thank God for Jesus because of human beings' sinful, sinful nature. So it's amazing that you say you do not sin. Um, uh, that's a that's a different category. That's a very different category. What's the difference between a, a, a Christian and a non-Christian if the Christians are still sinning? What's the difference? So let me, the question I must ask you then is what is your definition of sin? No, I'm going to ask you that in a minute, but you didn't answer that question yet. I asked but, twice. But it's important. In what order to answer the question, what is it's it, got to be based you, on a premise, right? For you being a reverend with a degree in it, what's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian if you're still sinning just like the non-Christian? What's the difference? So to be identified as a Christian, and there are many different layers of Christianity, many different denominations under the broad umbrella of Christianity, but to identify as a Christian, one must have a fundamental belief in Jesus the Christ. That is the definition of being a Christian. Again, there are many layers within that. As part of my layering, I believe human beings across the board are sinful, inevitably, not might, but will sin, but thank God for God's grace, because of Jesus, human beings are forgiven of their sins. So you we serve try to, to do God. We are want to do better. To and inevitably, we will do better. But thank God, because we are human and because we are not divine, we will fall from grace. And thank God for God's forgiveness. Are you saying you serve Satan and God as a Christian? I do not serve Satan. I have no idea where that statement came from. <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. Well, when you say you're sinning, all who sin are serving Satan. So, it, again, it, it depends on your premise and your fundamental definition of what a sin is. What is sin? What type of sin do you commit? What is sin? What type of sin? So you, you don't commit any sins. Let me ask you this. Is it possible for someone to unintentionally sin, or does it always have to be a deliberate act? Once you're born again of God, it's impossible to sin. I have well, a fundamental disagreement sin, with that theology. What type of sin do you commit? I, I, will, I will respect your, your, uh, your perspective. Um, uh, again, there's no reason to be disagreeable simply because you disagree. I will respect your position, but I must tell you, I fundamentally disagree with but that theology. But my position is right. It's correct. Yours is wrong. Okay. And that's, what, and that's fine. As long as that's in your mind's eye, that's absolutely fine. What type of <laughs> that's sin, absolutely fine. What type of sin do you commit? Um, so I think all human beings sin. So I don't think there's anything that's above the fray. I mean, I think there are different levels and different. I think all all human beings will inevitably do something that's wrong. So what type do you commit? Anything that is not consistent with the perfect, absolute space, holiness of God, anything that falls short of that, whether it's a personal desire for attention, whether it is a personal desire for uh, affection, whatever the case may be, when you, when, you, when you have the least bit of deviance from the perfect state of God, I think you have fallen into a space of sin. What type it of sin do you commit? It need not be stealing. It need not be killing. 
sin is such a unintentional thing. All human beings, as part of my theology, will sin. What They're type of layers sin of do sin, you commit as a Christian? thank goodness for forgiveness through Jesus. What type of sin do you commit as a Christian? I don't know that I would phrase the question like that. What type of sins do I commit as a Christian? Because your your question presupposes, but your question presupposes that because I'm a Christian, I'm committing some sort of sins. You said that you commit sin. What type of sin do you commit? What type of sins do you commit? I don't. So, what type do you commit? Um, I think because I'm human, I'm subject to fail. I'm subject to, to fault in, inevitably. I think all human beings are subject to do something wrong. As a sinner. All, all human beings are subject to do something where inevitably you'll stop and say, I wish I hadn't done that. So what type of sin are you committing? Uh, maybe today I was I was on the copy machine and I was so caught up in doing something because I was so strong willed and focused and I was making a copy and trying to scan and I didn't want my assistant to stop. And somebody passed by and spoke and I waved rather than stopping to speak. I should have affirmed that person was speaking for a reason. That person may have been weak. That person may have been looking for some sort of affection. And they were looking to me as the pastor, as their pastor. But I was so focused on something else that I made a mistake. And that was a sin? That was falling short of God's perfect state. Was that So a for sin? that, for that mistake I made, some theologically may call that a sin for falling short of the perfect place of God. And something as innocuous as that that I just described. I am so thankful that I am forgiven. Once I own it, once I say I'm sorry, God is done with it. And so you call all that human a human beings will do something for which they've got to say they're sorry. So you call that a sin? I call that something for which I'm sorry, and I recognize some theologies. But may what I'm trying to find out, are you calling that a sin? Well, you know, it's not. It's I, I don't know. Forgive me. I, I can't I can't think in just those simplistic terms. What I'm sharing with you is that that's something I did that I wish I had a do over. As I think about it, it was a space that separated me from God's perfect state, because if I was perfect, if I didn't sin, I would have been able to realize this person was speaking to me at that time because they needed the affection of their pastor. It's COVID-19. There's so much going on out here and I'm so caught up on something else. I should have stopped. So if that was a sin, perhaps it was because I was too ambitious in doing something else and I was caught on self and not amazing. looking at someone else. That's so it's amazing. possible some theologies would categorize that as a sin. That is it's amazing. For which, however, so I are you forgiven. saying, give me a quick yes or no. Are you saying that was a sin when you did that today? I, I, I can't give you a quick yes or no on that because it's it's too multi-layered when you talk about concepts like sin. But you, it's, may, it's you gave me an example of how you sin, you sin. So are you saying yes? That was a sin when you did that. I'm saying that that was a space of separation where I was not in communion with the absolute but perfect I know you said all that, but God. I'm asking you, was that a sin? I don't know. I can oh, only okay. tell you that's something for which I'm sorry. So let me ask. That's something that I'm sorry for. Reverend Augustine, are you married? I am. And are you the head so. of your wife? Uh, we are a wonderful couple, and yes, I am the head of the household. How about of your wife? Are you the head of your wife? Tell me what you mean by that question. The head of your wife. Uh, so I'm not following the question. When you say the head of my wife, tell me what you mean by the question. You said that you're the head of the household. What does that mean? That means to me that uh, we are a family that follows the Lord. Um, I am the head of the household, as in I am definitely the head of the family, but God is the one who guides us all in our actions. So are you the head of your wife? 
I'm the head of my household. But not your I wife. Would hope that, I would hope that every individual would subscribe to a belief, excuse me, every Christian individual would subscribe to a belief where God is the head of their life. And so God said that men are the head of their wives. Are you, you don't believe that? Oh, I didn't. I, we have different terminologies there. I, I knew exactly where you were going with that reference. Um, God, God established a hierarchical order where, where uh, 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 the scripture that you're referencing establishes a hierarchical order where men are heads of the families. Of the wives. Uh, uh, of the families. He said the wife. So why are you changing that? I guess it depends on which version of the Bible you're looking at. I have, a, I have at least three different versions behind me there, and I'm sure we get three different interpretations. And does on your the very Bible text say you're, you're not the head of your wife? I'm the head of my family. I'm the head of my household. Amazing. My wife is a member of that household. However, I also married an independent woman who is also a lawyer, who I value as a companion and I value as an equal. But I do recognize mm -hmm. that theologically I am the head of our household. So you are married partner. to a lawyer? My wife is my partner. Are you married to a man? My wife is my partner. Is it a male or a female? And if you look behind me there, you may be able to see a picture of me and that beautiful woman that I'm standing there with, who is very much a woman. Oh, but why do you call man. it a partner? That's a gay term. N no, I call that's it a homosexual term. They call those people there with. with partner. Why are you calling your wife a partner? She is my partner in life. But it's a real woman, right? She is absolutely a woman. Yes. So why do you call it a partner? My wife is my partner in life. Because she is someone I value, not in a subservient sense, but someone I value in an equal context. Someone who I talk to, someone whom I seek counsel from, someone who seeks counsel from me. Did you say your wife is a lawyer? Yes, she is. Oh, no, you're not the head of her then. Ah, I rest my case. Well, let's move on because of time. What is a man? Are you asking genetically or tell me, say more That's, about your question? What is a man? A man is a male species. And what a is human in a male species? I'm not following your question. What is love? Love is a multi-layered term, right? Love can be shared between individuals that are married. Love can be shared between individuals who are not married. Love can be sexual. Love can be asexual. Love is a multi-layered term. Amazing. Let me ask, should women be preachers? There are a lot of women in the pulpits now, pulpit around the country. Men have given up their churches to the women. Should women be preachers, pastors, reverend, bishops, and all that crap? Should women be that way? I will answer your question in, in multiple contexts. First and foremost, as, as you introduce me in acknowledging I am the senior pastor of St. Joseph AME Church, there are six ordained ministers at this church. Five of them are women. Amazing. And we have a robust preaching schedule in the month of March when we celebrate Women's History Month. I absolutely welcome women in the pulpit, women as revivalists, because if God called me, God can call other people who are not of the male sex, too. Amazing. I go back to when I was ordained in my denomination. We have two uh, uh, levels of ordination in African Methodism. One, well, diaconate know, orders because or deacon of time, orders. Because the of other time. elders. Let me ask, I was ordained time, by a woman. I was ordained follow, by a woman who is a bishop. Wow. Don't tell your wife that. She would, knows very well. <laughs> she knows very well. Would you follow a woman? 
Would I follow a woman? Yes. Uh, I guess it depends on the context. Meaning what? You, you clarify your question. When I follow, in what context? Period. I guess it depends on the context. So would you follow a woman? I have no reason to discriminate against anybody based on gender, based on ethnicity. No reason to discriminate against anybody. Would you if follow? To, to follow your question as it is to a logical conclusion, if I said, how do I get from here to the interstate? Oh, come on. Just follow me. I'm going that way now. I've just followed somebody. If they so happen to be a woman, so, so be it. But would, if they know where the interstate is, that, I have no problem you in following You said you would person. follow anyone and it's not based on gender or sex and all that kind of stuff. Am I right? I didn't say that. What did you say? I said I, my, my allegiance to follow has got to be something that is developed. That, that's based on a trust. That's based on an intuitiveness. It may or may not correlate to gender, but I have no reason to discriminate based on gender. So if my values align with someone and it is someone I choose to follow and pledge allegiance to, gender will not uh, necessarily dictate my ability to or not to follow the individual. Would you follow a lesbian, lesbian or a homosexual who say that they are a preacher being called by God? Would you follow either one of those type of people? I don't discriminate against anyone. So you would follow them as well? I, again, following someone to me is multi-layered. It has to do with a trust. It has to do with an intuitiveness. It's it's based on something that is earned. If somebody earns that level of trust in my accord, and you want to describe it as following, I have no problem with following someone who has earned my trust. But I will not discriminate. I will not say that someone cannot earn my trust so, based on some other. So if I'm hearing you correctly, if the lesbian preacher has a preacher degree. A reverend sign, a bishop, or the homosexual has one, and they've been ordained by your church, you will follow them. So you can't be ordained by my particular church and my denomination. But my question is, you will follow not, them? They, they don't do that. But, but to, your, to the spirit of your question, uh, someone who is ordained in another communion, um, uh, who is an open professing uh, a, a lesbian or someone who lesbian. is of a... Uh, of an open and affirming communion. I've got many, many of friends who are ministers that fit that description. And you if will you follow want to describe them. following, I don't know, I'd like to think about it as a reciprocal relationship. When I hear following, I'm thinking of, of something a little different. Amazing. I want to ask about the election because we are running out of time here. Who do you think going to win, the Great White Hope or Joe Biden? Um, I have seen America over the course of the last four years regress to a state that is pre my birth in 1971. So who do you think America has been Joe in Biden the dumps or, or the president? And my sincere hope, my sincere hope for the sake of America is that Joe Biden will be our next president. Do you support abortion? I don't support abortion. I think that question is phrased in a very loaded term. I do not support abortion. Do you think abortion is uh, women should kill the children in the, in the womb, the unborn children? I don't I don't agree with that terminology, killing a child. And I don't think a woman should do X. I don't think a woman should do Y. I'm not a woman, but I do respect a woman's right to choose. That is part of fundamentally what America is. And that probably is very much on the line with the uh, next Supreme Court justice to be appointed. So do but you as support part of my fundamental beliefs as part of my fundamental beliefs? I do believe a woman has a right to choose because that's a very intimate decision that a woman should make in consultation with her doctor. Uh, uh, and her God. Do you support a man's right to tell the woman you cannot kill my child in the womb? 
I think that is a multi-layered conversation. I think that is a very multi-layered there. But do you support a man's right to tell a woman, you cannot kill my child in, in the womb? Is it is it only his child or is it both of their children? Or is it both of their their the two is it is it one person's child or two people's child? Well, you That's said the you question, support right? a woman's right to kill the child in the womb because it's her body, but do you support a man's right to tell a woman you can't kill my child in your womb? So again, I, I have a fundamental difference of 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 thinking which is which directly flows from your terminology kill, right? I don't I don't believe in that. I don't I don't believe that your usage of the term. But I'm asking you, do you support a man's right to tell a woman she cannot abort his child? I think it depends on context, brother. Do you support a man's right to do that? I don't think there's any answer. I, I don't think any woman would approach the table, no pun intended, but approach the table in a cavalier fashion to make that decision. I certainly would hope not. So I would hope it's done if the father is known. I would hope it's done in consultation. But you still didn't ask my question. Do you support a woman's right to do it? So I'm asking you, do you support a man's right to tell a woman you cannot kill my child or abort my child? I think I think that the question is so incredibly nuanced and multilayered. You have already warned me that I'm giving these long. You called it a sermon. I'm giving these long winded answers and, and you have got me. You got my juices flowing. So I'm going <laughs> I'm going deep on you right now. And I don't want to run out of time. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, Ginsburg aspired, as you know, and the president, the great white hope, the president has to replace her. Should he replace her with a man or a woman? Uh, number one, I think it is hypocritical at best uh, for him to make an appointment at this stage in his presidency, considering the precedent that was set by Mitch McConnell, uh, by uh, Lindsey Graham and by others in the uh, uh, in the Senate. In the, I know, in the but Senate. I ask you, he replaced your opinion. So there is the, there is the first thing. I just, I'm, I'm only going. You, you asked a complex question, so I'm taking it in bites here, right? So number one, I think it's hypocritical for him to make a replacement at this stage at all. Number two, regarding who, if and assuming he will, uh, uh, appoint someone or make a nomination oh, for someone will. to serve. Assuming he will make an appointment for someone to serve on the court, do I think it should be a man or a woman? Honestly, I would hope it's a woman to keep the gender uh, progressiveness that has occurred in the United States. Um, uh, beyond that, that is, that is probably gender does not matter when it comes to ideology. And my, my fear is that his ideology or the person who's appointed, there will be a litmus test and their ideology will be of such that healthcare so, to so, so many you're people saying that you prefer, need it now in the midst of a pandemic. Because, do you, healthcare you will you become a thing a of the past for so many people who need it because of ideological differences so that's my biggest fear that someone, regardless of gender, but from an ideological perspective, will do so much more harm to the United States than good. So you're saying that you prefer a woman. He should replace it with a woman. Um, you know, I, I have been deeply in mourning about Justice Ginsburg's Justice Ginsburg's passing. Um, but if as a as a visceral reaction, I would I would prefer probably to see a woman appointed than I would a man. Amazing.
Do you support critical race theory? It's probably two or three books on them right here behind me. Yeah, matter of fact, there's one right there I'm looking at. <laughs> it's a few books on them right here. So you support that? Um, I guess I, I theory, I don't know what you mean by support it. You'd have to be more specific than Do that. Do you believe that the educational system, the, uh, the American companies, businesses, should be teaching people that white people, all white people, racist, and that they're inherently born that way, they can't help that, uh, race, uh, uh, white privilege, and all that. Should that be taught about white people in schools and in businesses, in government businesses and private businesses around the country? So that, that we have two different appreciations of what critical race theory is. When I hear the term critical race theory, it takes me back to law school and it takes me back to doctrines that are wholly inconsistent with what you have shared. But what I'm, I'm asking you, should that be taught that white people are nationally racist and that they have white privilege? Should that be taught? I, I don't think that any person is naturally racist. I'm I fundamentally you, should disagree that be with taught? that. I fundamentally disagree. I, I, I learned a long time ago, you don't, you don't answer a question holistically if it's piecemeal together. So you, you have to forgive me, but you're, answering a, you're asking a very provocative question. The president so I said explain. that he's not going to allow them to teach that critical race theory in schools and in businesses, government businesses about white privilege or white systemic racism and all that crap. He's not going to allow that to happen because it's wrong to do that to any race. Do you support that? So I think fundamentally we live in a society where it's, it's absolutely uh, uh, unconscionable to say that there is no such thing as ethnic privilege or white privilege. There, there's, it, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a historic fact. What is white so, privilege? So, I but don't the fact, know what but that however, is. However, the question as you posed as, as, as whites being uh, naturally racist. I fundamentally disagree with that in the most in the most profound way. Shouldn't I don't think there's any such that thing as a fundamental privilege. racist. Racism is something that is learned. Racism is something that comes about based on experience. Should, because not of time, that there I should think it is be immutable. taught that there's white privilege. In order to understand problems, and in order to, and I work very much at racial reconciliation in ministry and otherwise. In order to understand problems, you've got to come to the table and an academic environment is a space where, again, you don't have to uh, 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 agree, but you don't have to be disagreeable because you can't agree on things. But it's an intellectual laboratory. It's the marketplace of ideas. It's a place where you come and you can exchange and grow, even if you differ of opinion, but you grow based on someone Should else's perspective. Should it be taught that white privilege exists? Should that be taught? There very much so is a such thing as white privilege. It has Should existed forever. Should that be forever. taught that white However, privilege exists? I don't. I don't. I, I'm. I don't want to answer the question. Just. I mean, it's not a yes or no thing because if you're going to teach that, you've got to teach a lot more to go along with unpacking that. Otherwise, it's taken completely out of context and it makes no sense. And I can't. I can't just answer a limited question like that. That's 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 not who I am. So you can't tell me if that should be taught or not. I think we need to have more dialogue on race. I will absolutely say that. I but think how about white got... privilege? Should that be taught? 
We have based on what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, based on what happened in Louisville, Kentucky, with with, uh, the grand jury refusing to indict Breonna Taylor's killers, based on what happened in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, with Alton Sterling, based on what happened in Ferguson, Missouri, with Michael Brown, based on what happened in Staten Island, New York, with uh, Eric Gardner. There obviously are implicit biases. There obviously are fundamental differences in perception. We obviously have gotten major race disconnects in the United States of America. And if we refuse to talk about them, we will only continue to regress. We will never as a nation progress and make progress So you just read off all the names of the thugs and the criminals and people who have been attacked by cops because they disobeyed the cops or whatever. And you described, but forgive me, you you described Breonna Taylor as a thug, as someone who was in her own home, with a drug not dealer. on the street, not doing anything with thug a drug like, addict. as you call it, in her own home, with and a drug someone addict. comes in with a no-knock warrant with, and kills it wasn't her a in no her knock. own home. It was a no-knock. But you described her as a thug? It was not a no-knock. You described her as a thug she's in her own home. You're being dishonest. You Michael Brown as a thug. But you're being dishonest. You Bri- Alton Sterling as a thug. Hey, as you a reverend. Jason Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, a brother who was with his young children, taking one of them to a birthday and party. He was for, uh, to get in his car. He was wanted for thug. the abuse of a woman. But let me ask, Brianna was in the house with a drug addict person. Let me ask, how could person. you possibly, in good conscience, holistically describe that class of individuals that I named? How could you, in good conscience, describe them as thugs? Because These I love what's right, and I know the truth. expressing their First Amendment rights, freedom of assembly. Not even Breonna Taylor. She was in her own apartment. But you're not being honest when you said it was the no-knock. But these the are no-knock. people who were expressing hey. their own fundamental rights to assemble in different places. But you're not and being honest. Killed for no justifiable reason. That's not true. We have fundamental differences of opinion, but sir. you're not being honest. It wasn't and we a can no have knock. fundamental differences of opinion, but again, we don't have to agree and we don't have to be disagreeable. It but we have some baseline fundamental differences of opinion. But you're not being honest. That was not a no not warrant. Completely honest. No. <laughs> I'm being anything. It I'm was being not a no not warrant. She was killed in her home. After the warrant was executed. With a drug addict person. After the warrant was executed. But it was, she was not shot a no-not warrant. Many, many, many times. It was not a no-not warrant. In her warrant. own home. Let me ask this. And I described her living accommodation or her living situation in response to you calling her a thug. Do you believe in liberation? Which I believe is unconscionable. Do you believe all these people that you people are protected are, are no good people, but you're you leaving people? that out? Tell me, who are you people? You well, black I've heard that people term before, are, but I'm, I'm not sure what it means. You black you people who are mentioning about the so-called abusive cop, but you're not saying that these people that are being hurt or affected by cops are no good people. They're criminals. They're thugs. They're living in with drug addicts or uh, all that. You're leaving all that part out to give the false impression that white cops doesn't have nothing else to do but to go out and kill a black. And that's not fair. It's not right. And as a minister, you Besides keeping his knee on the neck of George Floyd for eight minutes and 46 seconds. He was on drugs. Nothing else to do besides that is not restraint. That's not reasonable restraint. That's eight minutes and 46 seconds to kill someone. That is not reasonable. It's not conscionable. It's outright unright. It's outright you're unjust. You're not being honest. That cop is you're the thug. You're not being honest. That cop who killed a, no, a, a George Floyd that's is not the true. thug. That's not true. But let me move on. Do you believe in black liberation theology? 
Yes, sir. You do. Do you love white people? I love all people. How about until white people? I have people? a reason not to. Do you love white people? I love all people until I have a reason not to. Do you love white people? I love all people categorically. How about unless white? I have unless I have let me specify unless I have a reason not to love a particular person, my fundamental disposition is to love all people. Do you love white people? I love all people. Do you support Black Lives Matter? Yes. Even though they are a bunch of fat black radical lesbians who hate God, who hate the nuclear family, who are trained to be monsters, they hate the unborn children, they want to turn America into a socialist society. Everything about them is evil. As a reverend, you still support them? I dare not make those sort of globalistic comparisons or comments about people. I they dare not about make themselves. that. I dare not, ma I dare not make but those sort of globalistic categorizations about individuals. They what about I do themselves. know is that I support a movement. I recognize fundamentally that all lives matter. But as a result of what happened to Breonna Taylor and as a result but of how Kentucky's attorney people general evil. undermined her character, I recognize that people must speak out and speak truth to power in the fact that black lives must matter, too. So it if doesn't all matter, lives matter that if there's a such thing as value in human life, black lives must matter, too. So it doesn't matter to you as a reverend that they are fat, radical black lesbians. We are all God's children, brother. I profoundly disagree with some of the things you said, but I'm not going to turn around and talk about you when but we finish we're not this interview. All, we're not all God's children. Only those who have been born again are God's children. God created all, but all are not his children. Some belong to Satan. I got to put you on the hot seat, so I need you to answer these questions really fast with me, all right? Man, I've been on the hot seat for the last how long? <laughs> it's, it's about to get hot now? Okay. <laughs> so I need you to answer these as quickly as possible. The Hot Seat. All right, I just asked the first question. Do you love white people? I love all people. Should illegal aliens get free health care? Go to the next question. Are black people suffering due to racism or the lack of moral character? I think the lack of moral character relates in some segments to all ethnic groups, but I definitely think there is a pervasive racism that has been targeted against black people since the inception of the United States of America. Is Donald Trump an alpha male or a beta male? Donald Trump is less than a male. Should homosexuality be taught in the schools? Different people are made different ways. We all need to acknowledge that, again, from my fundamental belief that we all are God's children. We need to recognize that there is a proverbial other, capital O, someone who may not be like you, but that is no reason for you to engage in xenophobia or have a fear of that person. Should homosexuality be taught in the schools? I think your question is loaded. I think yes. I think I think children should recognize that not everyone is the same. And if they are not taught that, then they are bound to engage in xenophobia, is which it, is a fear of the proverbial other, a is, fear of someone who is not is like it possible them. for black people to be racist toward white people. Um, in some regards, I do. I do believe there's some innate perceptions that that have that. But I think the exercise of 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 racism, I don't think blacks as a class and as a minority group have the power the economic or the social power to exercise racism. Communism or capitalism? I'm sorry? Communism or capitalism? 
I'm American, man. What do you th- <laughs> what do you think the answer to that is? I live in America. And what is the answer? The answer is America is probably the most capitalistic nation in the world. So you and prefer I have communism or capitalism? That, so it's no sense in me trying to turn against it. Is there I recognize ever, it. I'm American. Is there ever an excuse to riot, loot, or burn cities? I don't believe so. Does each person have their own truth, or is there only one truth? I think it depends on the truth. I think it depends on your version of the truth, but I think each individual is unique and what is special and what is sacred to each individual is unique to them. Who has more privilege in America, black people or gay people? Who has more privilege? Yes, I don't in America, think, I, I, black I think, people or gay people? I think both of those groups you mentioned have been so marginalized and pushed to the periphery in society. I think neither of them has, quote unquote, privilege. So neither have more than the other? I don't think either has privilege in the first place, let alone to get to a level and say who has more. I don't uh, think privilege exists in either of those categories. Uh, amazing. This is amazing. Isn't this like amazing? You got to admit, this I can, is amazing. I can honestly say, Brother Jesse, some of your perspectives are amazing. Oh, amazing. I mean, some of your perspectives are amazing. Reverend Dr. Augustine, J. Augustine, thank you for taking on the hot seat and for being with me. Tell the folks how to get into your website, your church, or whatever you're doing. Thank you so much. Um, I am easy to find on the web. My site is www.jaugustine.com, J-A-Y-A-U-G-U-S-T-I-N-E. My social media handle is at jaugustine, J-A-Y-A-U-G-U-S-T-I-N-E, nine. Thank you again so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure to be with you. Thank you again for being with me, man. I absolutely appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Let me hear from you. Don't forget to like, follow, tweet, support Patreon by clicking on the Patreon button. We appreciate that. Check out our store, all kind of merch. And don't forget to ring the bell and all that good stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Doctor. All right. Thank you. All right. Next time on The Fallen State. Everything in our culture, everything in our um, politics is about women and what women need. And what we've done is we've neglected what men need. It's like the self-esteem movement where people are constantly thinking that they're supposed to be entitled. When you talk to women, they feel they have a very big sense of entitlement. Conservatives are just almost as bad. They're a bunch of white nighters who go around trying to protect women and giving women all these special privileges. You grew up with parents and people who taught you how to be a fighter, taught you how to deal with problems. Today, nobody teaches anybody how to deal with anything. And I think people are getting a little bit more wise to some of the things that women are doing. Nice. watching the fallen state we need your continued support donate to my nonprofit here subscribe and like the videos here and tell everybody and their mama about the show